0: Welcome to the We Are Next podcast. Advice and insight from all over the advertising industry to help you navigate your career with confidence. I'm Natalie Kim.
1: I am Sharon Pinello,
0: And I'm Kim McKenzie. And we're the Partners and Principal Strategist at Ripley Strategy. And thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Natalie, and welcome to episode 31. I want to start this week by talking about FOMO because it's something that I've been feeling a lot recently. As many of you know, we moved from New York City to Los Angeles about the same time We are Next got started. And now that We Are Next has been established and it's a thing in the industry, I feel like there are constantly events, communities, and opportunities happening in New York City. And maybe someday that won't matter because I'll be able to fly out for a lot of them, but right now that's just not feasible. So I have to be really choosy about what I go out there for. Anyways, here are my two takeaways for anyone feeling like they're missing out because they're not physically someplace. The first one is to take advantage of what is around you. When I lived in New York, I was aware of maybe one fourth of the things that I see now. And if I stopped looking there and elsewhere, I'm sure I'd uncover a lot of equally awesome things here in Los Angeles. The second takeaway is that if you still don't see anything, create it for yourself. We are next did a couple events last year. It's definitely something I want to do more of here and have actually been talking with a couple different partners to make that happen, both locally here in Los Angeles and other cities. So stay tuned for that. This is all a good segue to our guests this week, Sharon Pinello and Kim McKenzie, partners and principal strategists at Ripley Strategy. We first met through the communities they run, which are a big part of their stories. And this episode is so full of juicy takeaways and a lot of laughing. So let's get to it. Enjoy. Thank you guys for having me. We're here at the Brooklyn Public Library in this amazing recording room, which I didn't know existed. <laughs> Secret treasure in Brooklyn. <laughs> yes. Your public dollars
1: at work. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> and we first connected. So I first connected with Sharon when you were still at McCann, or freelancing at McCann, mm-hmm. and we met because you had started this amazing group called the Remote Strategist Club. Exactly,
1: yep, still going, and we can get more into that. But yeah. yes, we like to run communities on the side.
0: Nice, yeah, and we, so we got on, like, I think you just reached out and were like, oh, I'd love to know what you're doing, and I think it was right after I had moved from New York, so it was one of those stories you're where You're in was L.A., like, and, and yeah. you had no furniture yet, and yeah. <laughs> you were like, hello. <laughs> exactly, and then more recently, Kim, you reached out because you heard about We Are Next through your amazing community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I've got a Ladies Who Strategize Slack group and um,
2: after there was a couple complaints about the fact that a lot of communities out there and a lot of media and podcasts don't actually interview women or women strategists or women in charge in agencies and so as opposed to whinging about it, I asked the group, at all, you know, it's 650 plus ladies, well, what podcasts are actually, you know, reflecting that they're senior level women um, out there in the industry? And your name immediately came up. It was the first one. It was within two mm-hmm. minutes of me posting it.
0: <laughs> so then we got to talking. So it's it's just been a nice, like, mm-hmm. all coming together now and having this. is a long time coming, I mm-hmm. think. And um, I'm glad we can do it in person yes. while I'm in town. IRL. Yes, always better. <laughs> so I always begin these interviews by asking guests how they got started in the industry. I think it's nice context for the rest of our our conversation. So can you talk about how you found advertising and then strategy specifically and kind of got your foot in the door? Um, Kim, maybe we can start with you. Yeah, and then sure. we shift over. So um, I've worked in a
2: lot of different industries. I worked in TV. Um, I lived abroad in New Zealand for over a decade. Um, worked with the New Zealand government for a while on their digital team and then was a VP of marketing at a streaming media startup for a number of years. Um, Moved back to New York about four years ago and quickly put it together after going to a She Says event that I had done all the things that a strategist does and strategy was actually all my favorite things to do. (laughs) So um, I was able to put it together through that and um, started freelancing, just kind of got my foot in the door and um,
0: haven't left the room since. (laughs) How did you, I guess, when you were... I mean, I think getting your foot in the door, especially freelance, it's almost like an added an added challenge. Was there anything that you felt like you, like what extra things, I guess, did you feel like you were doing or had to do to kind of get that start? Since you weren't coming you know, straight out of school.
2: Oh my gosh. Well, any time that I've made a change in, in my career, it's always been through integrating into communities and taking people out for a cup of coffee and just asking them a lot of good questions, not a, oh, can I pick your brain, you know, sort of thing, but really good pointed questions. Mm -hmm. I've always been a really good interviewer. So um, for me, it was just like, okay, going to, to She Says, but then also getting a really good understanding of Research has always been something that I've really enjoyed doing and I have a really strong academic background. So when I started interviewing, mm-hmm. I knew from talking with all the other strategists prior to that that um, that I had really valuable skills, mm-hmm. even though I didn't have tons of agency you know um, background. Yeah. And so they were able to immediately the hiring managers were able to say, "Oh, okay, you can take a huge amount of information and distill it down into sound bites." you can tell a really great story because you worked as an editor in television for a number of years. Like you can do all these different things. Okay. We see the crossover.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. I think a lot of people don't often see the direct connection between Mm -hmm. their past experience, but it's usually there. If you like dig a couple layers deeper under like what you actually did Oh yeah. versus like the value that you're bringing to the table or, you know, I don't know when you can zoom out like that. Yeah. I think more of it's, applicable
2: yeah i mean in any time you have a job or an experience like you're always gaining skills but a lot of people don't realize that they're gaining skills they're just like oh i worked as a plumber i can never use my plumbing skills in architecture and it's just like no actually it's working one-on-one with people helping them design their homes right. and their spaces like there's you have to think about it in that in that way yeah,
0: totally sharon how about you
1: Yes. Well, speaking of finding that connection, um, for example, my first degree was in English literature, and I did the obvious thing after graduating, which is work in finance (laughs) in New York City. Um, This was before the stock market crashed. So if you worked in finance in the early 2000s, um, it was a great place to be. Um, But I did know that I wanted to do something else, and so that storytelling element actually came back. I actually ended up going to grad school at Columbia, so they have a master's program in strategic communications. It's a great program. It's been evolving since I've even attended, and the class that I took there that changed my career was called the Business of Brands uh, by one of my favorite professors, Tasha Space, and it was the first time the light bulb came on over my head that there was something called strategic planning, and it was unlike any other corporate job that I've ever heard of. It wasn't anything my parents ever knew of or people in my hometown ever heard of. Um, and it was a great way to to blend culture, research, um, and basically being curious about a lot of different things and business and strategy. So taking that class and seeing like the business behind brands made me really think that it was a very deep type of career to go on. So Mm -hmm. that changed my whole trajectory, started interning with JWT after that, uh, doing trends research for them, and just fell in love and just pursued that and eventually left um, my financial gig to do that.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Well, it sort of leads into my next question. We kind of tush- touched on like a little bit of advice when we were talking about Kim's yep. start, but strategy in general is like notoriously hard to get your start <sighs> in. And I hear it from students all the time. I experienced it myself when I, you know, graduated and looked around and it was like, there are no strategy internships that I'm seeing. No entry level strategy jobs. Not that I'm even qualified for that. Um, and so I wanted to know what your advice is to so someone who's trying to break into the industry today, what can they be doing to start their career off when there might not be you know, a, a job waiting for them?
1: Right, I think you have to make your own opportunity. So my real life story about this was, I jumped ship at the financial place and I tried to get into strategy. I gave myself a year to do it. I had saved up a bunch of money so that I was able to do that. Um, and I tried for 11 months to basically make my own internship. So I pitched different companies um, who needed kind of a strategist in-house. So I worked for like a filmmaking conference festival. I worked for an open source mapping civic company. I worked for all these kind of random places. They didn't really lead at the time to any full-time jobs. Um, But that's what really got me out there. And coincidentally enough, it was attending in November of that year, a She Says event. Um, where I actually met someone who really opened the door for me uh, in my first career at McCann um, full-time, and it was a really backdoor way of doing it. But again, it's, it's make your own, opp- your own opportunity. If you don't see it, you've got to make it and kind of be really ballsy about it.
2: Yeah, you can't you can't take no for an answer. <laughs> you
1: just you can't. Persistence.
2: Yeah, you have to be really really persistent. And um, I don't know. It feels almost just like with me saying that it's just so vague and unfocused and just like, oh, but I want the steps. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, all all I can say is that when you integrate into communities, that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, not to get wildly off track, but. My husband is really into whiskey mm-hmm. and scotch, and he watches this YouTube show. These two guys that are always reviewing scotch and whiskey, and they have their own distillery. And the one guy, um, they get questions from their viewers, mm-hmm. and he got a question of, how do I break into um, working in a distillery? And his advice is the exact same that I give to my mentees or anyone junior who asks me and it, is that, You kind of have to show up, you have to volunteer to do the worst jobs. And ultimately what I've seen in a lot of different agencies that I've worked with because I was freelancing for a long time, is that what they really want to see is people who can take photos, people who can do Vox Pops, people who can do that primary research and just get out on the street Mm. and ask people questions because that's the sort of stuff that wins pitches. And more senior level people, they are too expensive to be able to leave the building. Mm -hmm. So they're really depending on junior folks who have those skills and they've got that moxie.
0: Mm, I love that. That's such a good point. Like all the things that we need to do that inevitably need to happen for a pitch or for a project. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is sometimes like very repetitive, like front work that but someone has to do it and so (laughs) I could see why that would be like a good route because it is oftentimes something that you can just do on your own like like I spent an afternoon on the third street promenade pulling an LA reference and like asking people what they thought about this brand that I know this agency works on Um, I could see how that would be I mean an agency would see value in that right away yeah
2: Yeah, and you really have to look at not so much like, oh, I'm a nice person, they should hire me, as much as what value are you bringing into the building when you go into the building? What are those different things that you're going to be able to do? And I know we'll probably talk about it in a little bit, but there are those tangible skills that Mm -hmm. are
0: extremely valuable. Yeah. So I guess thinking about your career overall now, after you've gotten your start and you've mm-hmm. worked in the industry for a while, what have been the biggest personal hurdles for you that you know you had to overcome, are still overcoming, and we're constantly working on ourselves? Um, yeah, I'd love to hear just what has been uh, a roadblock along the way. Two words. Professional burnout.
1: (laughs) Um, This was, it's a real thing. And again, it happens uh, kind of when you you really want to bring the best to work every day. I think we're in a culture of like achievement, especially if you're in agency life, especially if you're in a big epicenter of agency life like New York City. Um, There's a lot of competition out there. And what I learned over the years, kind of going from being a junior strategist to mid-level, to senior, to being a VP, is that if you don't guard your time and protect yourself in terms of wellness and all of that, you do. I, phys- I experienced mental burnout, physical burnout, um, and eventually was a big reason why I decided to kind of step away from the world. And I think, it's, I think we're truly blessed to be living in the 21st century, that we can continue to do the work that we love. Um, but it doesn't have to be exactly the same way in the 20th century it, it, it was, right? Like showing up every day, having to be in one place 40, 60, 80 hours a week, right. missing birthdays, weddings, and other significant dates because you have to jump on a plane to go do a pitch. So I'm seeing a real awakening in our industry, and I guess across the greater workforce. We just gave a talk at Miami Ad School about the future of work. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say building on those habits as you grow your career and finding people who kind of respect the work-life balance has been really big. It's an ongoing challenge, um, but that's been my biggest thing because I love the work that we do. It's so amazing. But I know a lot of work goes into that, and if you don't protect yourself, uh, you can find yourself being really burnt out.
2: Um, for me it was I guess it was probably not until about a year year and a half ago right before Sharon and I met that I finally had this realization it was a long time coming that I just had been so deeply dissatisfied and frustrated with permanent jobs mm. it just has not worked out for me and I'm um, even freelance to a certain degree I just would see a lot of waste I would see that you know that departments weren't being run, that people were getting crazy burnout. I mean, I just would look at the CSOs, and you know, some of whom I really respected, yeah. and you know, they were pulling anywhere from seventy to hundred hour weeks. They never saw their families. They didn't have any kind of work life balance, mm-hmm. and just was like, "Well, I don't want that." And there was so there was always a lot of um, kind of push and pull internally of, "Well, if I don't want that, what do I want?" Right. And not knowing anyone who was doing something different that did look really appealing to me. Mm-hmm. So when Sharon and I started working together, we could put it together after you know, working together for a couple months that we're just figuring it out together of what work looks like when you lead with life, and then you figure out a way for work to um to work with your life as opposed right. to it, you know, pushing against it. Yeah. And doing it in a really joyful joyful fashion because we love what we do, but that doesn't mean that we want to do it a hundred hours a week. Right. Or you know.
0: So how can we take like the because so you're both talking about um kind of quality of life and mm-hmm. uh, balancing your career with you know, taking care of yourself, stuff like that. So for someone who's just starting out who feels like they're in this position where they have to, like, differentiate themselves, like, this is the time to, like, really grind. And I know to a certain extent that there always be, I think, those expectations when, when you start out. But how can, what are some ways that I guess they can incorporate some of these, some balance into their life while still, you know, feeling like they're working hard and, you know, like, trying to stand out from from their peers. Oh, definitely.
1: If you're still young, you need to keep working hard. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're saying this from our years of experience <laughs> and as you get further along in your career. But um, Natalie, I definitely think <laughs> they need to hustle for sure yeah. in the beginning. But to your point, even integrating small things like protecting your calendar. Yeah. Like, for example, I remember eating sad desk lunches every day. Even something like blocking out your calendar for lunch and yeah. saying, I'm gonna go outside and like smell a tree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, like, you know, have some, like leave the building. Um, even protecting your time. Um, I remember some mentors told me that on Fridays they take no meetings, for example. Friday is yeah. a learning and development day. They will only um, have uh, meet and greets or they'll read books. And so I think just protecting here and there, especially using your calendar to block out that time so you're not being pulled into every meeting, yeah. uh, even as a junior strategist. Again, I do think you should be working very hard <laughs> at this point in your career, but starting to build those habits of saying my time is also worthy yeah. and needs to be protected and don't don't triple schedule me for this cuz I need time to have lunch right. uh, or to go home at a, at a reasonable hour.
2: Right. I mean, I think to add to that, you know, you become the company that you keep. So really look at where do you want your career to go and who do you want to be spending your time with? What kind of uh, an agency do you want to be associated with? Mm -hmm. Do you want to be associated with an agency that is well known for mass burnout and that they chew people up and spit them out within a year? Or do you want to be associated with an agency that does really good quality work, has a good quality of life, and the people who are leading it are protective of their time right. they actually really care about the people that work for them mm-hmm. so i guess sort of on this sort of more long-term thinking of yes you absolutely have to work your your
0: ass off but make sure you're working your ass off for the right people mm, yeah i love that and i think too just keeping in mind that Yes, you should be working hard, but if you work yourself past that point and you are burned out, even as a junior, like that's not going to be your best. You're not going to put out your best work no. if you let yourself get to that point. And, yeah. you know, your employer doesn't want, you know, your subpar, you know, work. They want the best out of you. And, and you know, I think increasingly some agencies understand that. And mm-hmm. so they try to put more boundaries or, you know, try to create culture yeah. that, um, protects work-life balance a little bit better, mm-hmm. but I oftentimes like in agencies I've been in the past too, like a lot of times the perception when you're just starting out is like, oh, I'm expected to stay here. Like I'm the last one out, mm-hmm. which in some places might be the case, but mm-hmm. I've also had like, um, like CEOs of agencies be like, look, I'm telling you, like if you're done with your work at six or 630, mm-hmm. like, I'm not expecting you to sit there, like go leave and like live your life. And um, I think it's sometimes, it's hard for people to to process that. It's almost like we self-impose like that, you know, we need to be at our desk until like eight or nine o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying is that, if you,
2: you're gonna be working hard wherever you're at, but work hard for someone who deserves to have you working that hard, mm. and is gonna be able to say, hey, if you're done with your work, right.
0: go live your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Yeah. So I wanna talk about Ripley strategy, something that I know you're both excited about, and I'm super <laughs> excited about. I'd love yeah. to, to hear more about it. Yes. We'll okay, talk about so uh, what
2: Ripley is. We are a Brooklyn-based, woman-owned, independent brand strategy shop. Um, we specialize in clients generally in technology, and fashion, luxury, all the fun stuff, <laughs> as well as lifestyle and social impact. Um, we work with a lot of really extraordinary brands. We, I always kind of try not to say that we've been very lucky to work with those brands because we've worked very, very hard yes to get to the stage where we can work with these types of brands. But we've worked with Michael Kors, Absolute Elix, Google, Rolex, Tudor, Just Water. We've had a lot of clients over the last odd year since we started. But um, people seem really happy with the work and also with the relationship. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Sometimes people think the name Ripley is from Ripley's Believe It or Not. If it's not, what's the next one? Talented Miss Ripley? Also not that. <laughs> There's another Ripley that people always guess.
0: That's so funny, Uh, I would never think that.
1: Right? Yeah, it's so funny, but we're actually uh, in homage to uh, the movie Alien with uh, Sigourney Weaver playing a very badass woman. That was our thought process, was we are a badass women's strategy team. And um, Ripley just came to embody all of that, and so that's the spirit we carry with us. And
2: Ellen Ripley is Sigourney Weaver's, Weaver's character. Like, she's so fucking badass.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but she's also really empathetic, and she can be very soft, and she does have not only, like, these maternal instincts and strengths, but just as a whole human kind of, like, strength that yeah. we both really, really align with.
0: So how did that come about then? So I know you'd worked together in the past on, on different projects, how did? We had not. We didn't? We, did one, oh, yeah, I we did one. We were like an
1: internet date, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically like professional Tinder, which has actually happened, right? All these dating sites are now professional sites. We can go into that later, like Bumble Biz, and like we're oh, getting business. into the dating for business thing, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Shaper all the way. Yeah, both Kim and I were actually solopreneurs before we met, so we had both left kind of agency life and were doing freelancing. And then, you know, sometimes you've got these big projects and basically I was looking for someone, found her really great group, shows the power of community, Um, you had a great website, and like um, we kind of did a workshop together, which turned out really, really well. And we just happened to be in the same part of our career in terms of wanting to find a partner and saying, do you have to always be Mm -hmm. a solopreneur? We know a lot of people who are strategists, but it, it is hard. And so again, with the whole point of you know, convention busting, okay, creative people aren't in copy, they always come in little pairs, you know, right? It's like, why can't we have a little work wife or work husband too in the strategy world? And we were like, just because we don't see it doesn't mean we can't be it. And surprisingly, clients are like, oh, that's okay, but then it works. Mm -hmm. If you find someone where you have complementary skills and you can work smarter, not harder, Um, again, it's not a traditional model in the industry, but we found that it's really worked for our business.
2: Yeah. yeah. And um, it's really cool because we've had a lot of clients, both men and women, but we've noticed that a lot of women and sort of like their mid-30s and above, they just get so excited about meeting us. They're just sort of like, you're two ladies. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, yes, yes, we are two ladies. <laughs> two ladies can do this. And um, that's, that's that's one of the things that I absolutely love about being able to reach out to people. And do business development is just being able to go out and have a cocktail or have a meal and be able to talk about not just work stuff, but we're in the same stage in life Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and going through a lot of the same things and being able to have a laugh and just building the relationship from that.
0: Yeah. Well, so I guess building on that, you know, you're kind of disrupting the the normal structure in terms mm-hmm. of, like, now you're two strategists and you're both women, which shouldn't be so groundbreaking, but <laughs> unfortunately, like, still is. <laughs> yeah. um, how else is Ripley, be it, like, the way that you engage with clients mm-hmm. or, like, the types of projects you are, in, how else is it different from, I guess, like, what you were doing in the past? Definitely.
1: It gives us room to, again, redefine how we want to work with clients, I you know? I bring to the table a lot of experience from McCann, which I'm trying to unlearn (laughs) a little bit, right? I'm like, well, at McCann, it's like this. So for example, one model um, that we're doing is a strategy residency. So this is where we will come in and embed within an organization. And I like to call it being more like university professors, um, which is we'll come in, have kind of a professor is in the office day. Um, we, We like to have huge whiteboards around and we encourage kind of Every discipline within that agency, whether you're strategic or creative or account, mm-hmm. um, they love just dropping in by the professor's room to ask questions about strategy. And so while we did run a couple of accounts there, I really liked that hybrid of saying, you know, it's a bit more about mentoring, about education, and again, not just doing the normal model of like, get in here, bust out this work, and leave like a yeah. consultant would do and saying, wow, we can really, again, use our personal approach to development and to getting work done. And I really love that professor model. It's something that we want to replicate. We got to do it with an amazing digital agency in Bushwick called Madwell. Um, and it's been a super great experience, one we want to do more this year.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. It reminded yeah. me of that show Mindhunter. Not to like, Mindhunter make it. Not to What's like, that one? diminish how did, it. How did it, how did you make this connection? Well, because <laughs> so in Mindhunter, it's like two guys from the FBI who go to local yeah. police precincts and kind of like do, I mean, on a shorter scale, obviously, yeah. but they kind of embed and they like teach, but then they also kind of like jump in a little bit and like help with some uh. of the cases and <laughs> stuff. Anyways. Okay. Wait, is it, it, like serial killer Is Mindhunter serial because killers? I really hope so. Yeah, it's the okay. Yeah. About the serial killers. Yeah. But the two people I'm referring to aren't the serial killers, so you're good. <laughs> no spoilers. No, <laughs> no spoilers. Um, so we mentioned a little bit beforehand about the communities that you guys have been involved yeah. in before, so I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that. <clears throat> um, can you tell us a little bit more, I guess, about both Ladies Who Strategize and the Remote Strategist Club?
2: Okay, so um, Ladies Who Strategize is a Slack group. Um, I created it probably about a little, oof, nearly two years ago. And it really came about because I was looking at a lot of online groups that were available towards strategists um, Mm -hmm. and otherwise, and it was just really dominated by male voices. And I thought that was kind of lame. So um, I figured, well, this Slack group thing seems to be more and more used like outside of an office. Right. Maybe I could just start up a group and even if just two other women join it, then I'll at least know two other lady strategists. <laughs> because um, when I was freelancing, I worked in so many different shops and I saw that there was really, it was much more 50-50 on all the strategy teams in the strategy department. And if anything, more women than men. And I didn't understand why that wasn't being reflected online. So I started this group, posted about it um, on a couple LinkedIn groups, and um, it's just sort of exploded since then. We've had we've got over 650 members, and it really solved that issue of not feeling like there was a, a place where women strategists could get together and mm-hmm. share resources, share tools. Um, bounce questions off each other and, you know, meet people in real life, and Sharon was also one of the um, early members of it, and she's basically the reason why I started the thing, so that worked out well.
0: (laughs) I mean, everyone, I can say firsthand, like, everyone that I tell about Ladies Who Strategize, they're like, oh my god, and like, (laughs) immediately I can hear them, like, looking it up online, because they just, like, I mean, yeah, like, if you don't know that it exists, it does feel kind of like a, there is no place for... Female strategists to, to kind of congregate and, and talk and, and, and sh- share resources, which I think is a, is a huge part of it as well.
2: Yeah, and jobs as well. We, we get a lot of jobs that are posted on there, and it's from all our women going like, hey, I really would love it if um, we got more women on my team right. or, you know, we have um, this lady's departing. We'd really like to replace her with another very strong female. Yeah, yeah.
1: And Slack is a great platform for that. Yep. I just feel like it's it's got this intimacy built in. You have to apply to get in. Thank God I got in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a bit of a hard ass Kim keeps it. it. Kim <laughs> keeps it real in there. You know, there's there some standards, but yes, uh, super intelligent, talented women in there. Um, my group's actually on Facebook. It's a Facebook group, which is a little bit different. Um, and it's called the Remote Strategist Club. We have about 150 members from all around the world, have some really amazing strategic minds in there, people that I know I've been following in my career. Uh, over the past 10 years. Um, It actually came about uh, as part of selfish innovation, again, to my theme of if you don't see what you want in the world, make it. And so I had found a lot of groups about remote work and being a digital nomad. And there was a lot of groups about being a strategist, but there was no perfect Venn diagram. (laughs) And I was just like, I'll call it remote strategist club. (laughs) The club is really deliberate because I wanted it to be more social. Like if there was a virtual place, like a hostel, where you could kind of swing in through the lounge and be like, what's up everybody? What's everyone working on? So really cool to see people who are doing qual research in Thailand or, you know, trekking through South America. And I think a lot of it, you know, I was on a road trip last year through the deep south, kind of camping and living in tree houses, living my best life on the road. (laughs) And I was telling Kim that, you know, there was this article that Ogilvy put out, I think last year, that talked about being a strategist in the wild and being in the field. And I just know that being in a corporate agency land, you're expected to know consumer insights around humans and yet you spend your whole day in conference rooms. And I was like, what advantage are you gonna have if you're gonna be outside of an agency is that you get to bring a lot of this real world insight back in. Mm -hmm. So that's really again how we're trying to structure how we work and that club's been a great way to just see what everyone's doing. Um, But yeah, everyone's also looking for work. (laughs) I think that's the number one thing. And these groups are really great for that. Um, I'm thinking of taking it a slightly different direction this year. I'm not quite sure yet. It, I think it's, you know, things evolve and they change. Sure. So stay tuned, guys, if you want to join the group. But I think we want to move it in a slightly different direction.
0: It's really, like yeah. you said, it's really cool to see people post about kind of like what they're working on. Just, just yeah. to know, especially when people first start freelancing mm-hmm. and like have no, I mean, there's, there are, again, there's are there are guides about freelancing, maybe not in like strategy and in advertising specifically. So yeah. there's a lot of like logistical stuff that you just don't know about like mm-hmm. what should I charge for my time? And mm-hmm. you know, like how do I structure like like co- agreements and contracts with with agencies? So I, I think it's a really great place for people to put those questions out in the wild and yes, get real feedback. Yes, it's back. super
1: niche. Again, that, I didn't know that Venn diagram would be kind of small, <laughs> <laughs> which could be good and bad, but again, it's, it's our own little corner of the interwebs at this point. Yeah. But yeah, great,
0: great place to ask those questions. All right, so you're both passionate about supporting women in the industry. I think that's come through in, in our conversation already and making sure that their voices are heard, that there are places that um, they can express themselves and, and be out there and that they're equally represented at you know all levels. So I have a two part question to, to kind of wrap us up. How can women just starting their careers help lift each other up? And then my second part of that is how can men just starting out be stronger allies? I think, you know, Sharon
2: and I have just talked about our communities and how important they are to us. I had this realization in my 20s that you need what I call a soccer team to really do anything. You can't just do it on your own. You can, but it's going to be way harder. Mm -hmm. But if you really develop warm relationships with other people, men and women, you know, I'm talking really more like friends, then you're going to be able to, as long as you establish that you are a team, you're there for them, you are supportive of them, It's not just about taking someone out for a drink if they've had a hard day. It's about asking questions about what really happened that day and trying to support them in terms of saying, well, it seems like you didn't do that correctly and that's why they were getting upset with you. Or it seems like this is something that keeps on coming up in our conversations. I think you should actually pursue this other thing that you seem really good at, Mm -hmm. you know, that that might be better for you. And so I think when it comes to being a junior and just not having that experience under your belt is being able to create that support group of people who not only are friends, but are gonna be able to sit down and have a really good conversation with you about what you're doing with your career Mm -hmm. and what they're doing with their career, being able to share advice and knowledge as it comes up and resources as they become available. But I really can't emphasize it enough of you gotta let go of feeling like you're competing with other people and you really need to just look at it as face value, oh, that person's doing really well as opposed to getting like horrifically green-eyed jealous about it, mm-hmm. why don't you ask them how they managed to do that and see if you can learn something from it? Like, it's it's just a different mentality. Mm-hmm. And in my experience that that really, really helps in terms of being able to demonstrate to other people. Sometimes in the in the first instance, that you're there to support them and help them out, and that you'd really like to have that in exchange.
0: Mm. Oh, I, I've i never heard it kind of expressed like that, like that, I mean, the whole idea that <clears throat> you can have those deeper conversations even with people at the same level. Because we think so much of mm-hmm. talking with like an older mentor or your boss or mm-hmm. your manager about like where you're going and stuff like that, but to be able to be open, I mean, that just, I feel like, would be such a weight off people's chest mm-hmm. to be able to express that you know, at work or with people who work in the industry that don't work at the same agency, I think that's valuable too. Because yeah. um, I mean, I agree, In turn, whenever I talk about um, people just starting out kind of networking or connecting or meeting each other laterally it's always about you know as you come up in the industry those are the people who are going to like lead you to your new opportunities but i love that in terms Mm. of just like where you are right now like them being an outlet and support network for you and um just to finish off that that thought is
2: that i do a lot of mentoring Mm -hmm. and i genuinely wish that my mentees would talk to each other more and have more of a community so that by the point that they talk with me they're clear about what they need. Mm. And I feel like they're missing out on a huge opportunity of like, okay, if if I have a half hour, 45 minutes to give you once a month that we can sit down and have a, a conversation, I wish you would do more legwork <laughs> yeah. to really figure out what it is that you wanna do next so that I can advise you on how to do
1: that. Mm. Yeah. I think for women supporting each other, Kimmy mentioned this yesterday, just like showing up, showing up in the community, so whether digitally, if you're just responding to people on the ladies who strategize Slack um, are going to meet someone for coffee, that is really huge. Yeah. yeah,
2: showing up and being supportive of other people, like their their pursuits. And I, I think that there's something just so important with that. And especially, I mean, n- New Yorkers are like, notoriously flaky for being like, oh, I can't make it, you know, yeah. like, it's raining.
1: <laughs> or be, be prepared to throw your own events, to go with your theme of, like, you don't have to be super advanced in your career to, yeah. like, throw your own meetup. Um, something we did earlier this year, um, again, kind of selfish innovation, we did a Prince-themed vision board party. Uh, and it was it awesome. It was amazing, <laughs> but here's how it started. It started with Kim and I going, you know what, we should do a vision board, and actually a couple of things have come true from that vision board. But then we were like, wouldn't it be great to like open this invite and get other women in here, maybe people who don't even work in advertising. And so we got people from like Etsy, from Bloomberg, um, we had actors come in from L.A. Yeah, from Dietland.
2: I couldn't it believe it. It was crazy. It. I was so
1: excited to see Joy Nash there. I was like, oh, my God. It was nuts. <laughs> um, yeah, and we sat there with magazines and cut things out and, like, got really inspired by each other. But I think at any stage you're at, it's so empowering to be able to throw your own events yeah. and to have your own community and, like, own own that power frame of, like, you know, I'm the person doing this and people are really drawn to that. There's there's a lot of connection and people that mm. follow up with you after that. Mm. I know I did that early on in my career. Just again, meetup.com and just saying, putting the keywords I want, mm. getting a bunch of strangers to show up and that accelerated a lot of the networking and you get to do it on your terms. So um, that was really big in terms of support. And it's just fun. I, don't, I, I really, really <laughs> like, we throw these parties
2: like every quarter, it's just like become our thing. Where it's just really fun to be mm. able to meet people not only like within the agency industry but outside of it, mm-hmm. and you know strategy skills, actually you know can be used for so much more stuff than just within agencies right. or just within businesses. Right. So we always try to have mm-hmm. a lot of fun with it, and it's
0: kind of refreshing for us as yeah. well. Yeah, oh, I love seeing it as like a fun thing and not like a have to do networking thing to, exactly. to get your foot in there. It just totally kills the mood when, when it's like, <laughs> positioned like that. Oof, yeah. All right, so let's wrap this up. We always end with the best piece of advice that you've ever been given. So whoever wants to start. We'll get one from each of you guys.
1: I'll go with um, my first Boston advertising, amazing woman named Anne Benvenuto, who, um, She's kind of like, in my head, the Dawn Draper. <laughs> in my <head. laughs> She used to run digital at RGA, and she ran what was called advanced planning at McCann. <laughs> so it was an advanced level. Um, super passionate about her work, taught me so much. But at the end, she was like, Sharon, this industry is so hard. You must have a hobby outside of it. Please promise me that. And I remember she was a photographer and a painter. And I just kind of hear her words echo to me uh, kind of every time um, when I'm just getting like, burnt out (laughs) my theme. And what's interesting is though, I think what you do outside of work actually makes you a much better strategist at work, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to build your superpower as a a strategist. So for me, it might be um, social media or social impact really, um, and saying if I'm really passionate about these things going out in the world, um, it gives your brain a good break from the industry, but also kind of a renewed inspiration around it. So always have a hobby, guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, mine's actually really similar to um, to Sharon's. Uh, one of the first things that we really connected on was um, basically female musicians from the 90s and Gen X. And yeah. so there's this really, really wonderful Tori Amos quote about always going to a different medium in order to better understand your own mm. and of course she's talking about music which you know we don't make music we should <laughs> next, <laughs> next, evolution, next, yeah, yeah. Next, next offering <laughs> but um i've always found it just so important so my master's is, is in film theory i went to film school and um and i find it really important to watch movies all the time to be reading both fiction and non-fiction i try to read the newspaper every weekend and mm-hmm. you know there's there's all these other things that i think are incredibly important as a strategist and that has to be just totally natural yeah. you cannot teach it but in order to have be able to have a, a pov on something i think you have to have a really good understanding of what's going on in culture and you just have to be interested in it anyways mm-hmm. or like Going to art galleries, or you know, just having different experiences, I think that that really feeds your work and enables you to come back to your work and really
0: get excited about it. Mm. I like thinking about that kind of stuff outside of the industry as like your like kindling that you're like collecting, mm. yeah, like spark oh, ideas. Oh, you nice. can take that metaphor. From it. <laughs>
2: really nice because i always see it as like you know you're kind of like you're 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 creating you creating and then you like your tank is empty so you oh, need you to like go to other stuff up. to fill it up like or like too. if we want to get back into Don draper of like you know you gotta like <laughs> remove the cobwebs
0: yeah yeah those are, all, those are all really good i'm um, so glad we were able to do this thank you guys so much for sitting down and sharing i think there were some really good themes that kind of came through the whole episode and will really give people a good idea of not only what you guys are about in ripley strategy but also like what they can take with them into their careers where can people keep up with you guys and ripley um so you can check
2: out our website it's um com, and we're also on instagram where you can follow our <laughs> Our adventures and misadventures. (laughs) A lot of co working spaces. (laughs) If you (laughs) want to know, every co working space (laughs) in New York City. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're really big croissant users. We love croissant. (laughs) But that is hello
0: underscore Ripley on Instagram. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you guys so much. much. Thanks, Thanks, Natalie. It's been our pleasure. I loved meeting Kim and Sharon in person. As you can hear, they're two amazingly smart boss women doing their thing. And what I loved most was hearing them talk about leading their careers with the life that they wanted to live instead of letting their careers dictate their life. So inspiring. I highly encourage you to jump in and join their communities if they're applicable to you. Advice is so much better shared. Leave us a review on iTunes or share the podcast with a friend. And while you're at it, sign up for our weekly email. It's a small dose of advice and insight delivered Mondays. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week and that you can stop worrying about missing things elsewhere and focus on what's right in front of you. I'm Natalie, and until next time, you got this.